Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, I pray that this morning, as we study this passage truth about the birth of your son becomes even more real to us today and what that means to our lives. Father, thank you for everyone here this morning, especially those who are visiting with us for the first time. May they experience the rich blessing of what it means to know Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you heard a lot of Scripture reading this morning, you heard not only from just what I've read here in Matthew, but also from the book of Luke. And Luke has a a very compelling version of the Christmas story, which you've heard, and I'm not going to read it again, but it is is the, the, the story in Luke gives a lot of details that Matthew does not, but Matthew provides some details that Luke does not. And that's the wonderful thing about the Gospels, because the Gospels are eyewitnesses' account. They're eyewitness accounts of what happened during this time. And as you know, if you, if you listen to witnesses in a situation, two eyewitness accounts are never quite the same. There are always details that, that are different or a little bit left out, but it doesn't make the account any less powerful or any less true. And so here in the, in the book of Matthew, we have an account of the birth of Christ. Now, the story in Luke provides information that is, is very helpful about the, the, the census and the counting of the people and the, the birth at the inn. But what this story provides is an interesting twist. And it's, it's not the way we would think the Christmas story should begin because this starts with a scandal. The Christmas scandal. The scandal of Christmas is what this story in Matthew is about. It is a scandalous birth. If you read in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Now, what it means, Mary is betrothed. In the Jewish culture, betrothal was an engagement, and it was a first commitment undertaken for about a year, a year of prior to the consummation of the marriage. And during that year, the girl would remain with her own family, 
But the tie that was established, the value of marriage that was established was a strong one. And it was really the first part of the marriage. So important, in fact, as we read here, she's been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Mary although betrothed not quite yet the full consummation of the marriage, it was so important this year, this season of engagement, that for something like this to happen would require divorce. It would require public humiliation. It would require shame. The second part of the marriage would take place when the man brought the woman into his home. And because of the seriousness of this commitment, a woman could be punished as an adulteress even before the consummation of the marriage. This is, this is not how we want to read the Christmas story. It's, not, it's never been a, a story of scandal to us. You don't see it in the malls as you're walking along. Mary, adulteress, by your presence here. <laughs> Something very unusual is going to happen, but here is this scandal ready to abound. And just before it does, Joseph is a righteous man. He is a good man. He is a merciful man. And as he is about to consider this, do I publicly humiliate Mary? Do I shame Mary? Do I divorce Mary? God intervenes. God comes. Something unusual happens. An angel comes. Now, an angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit. That's a a whole message in itself. We saw this wonderful child's play about that. But imagine as a, a woman... Waking up in the middle of the night and this angel telling you, you're going to have a baby. I know you're not married. I know you're a young girl, but you're going to have a baby. And God is going to supernaturally make you pregnant. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Sure. But Mary, being the godly woman that she was, accepted the words of the Lord And in the same way that God intervened there, he intervenes in this situation, in this ready-to-happen scandal. But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." The scandal of an adulterous woman, an illegitimate child, was all too real. And as God is faithful to do, he intervenes and a public scandal is averted. God wonderfully does send another angel. Joseph, being the righteous and merciful man that he does, takes Mary to be his wife. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. 
God's rescue of Mary and Joseph from this scandal. It's just the beginning of the Christmas story because it really sets the, the scene and it sets the pace for what is about to happen. God's rescue of Mary in this situation from scandal, from Joseph having to scandalize his wife. God's rescue and intervention is just the beginning. It's a shadow of Christ's birth and God rescuing mankind from himself. God rescuing mankind from his sin. God rescuing mankind from the judgment of God that is deserved because of the sinfulness of man. That is the Christmas story. Not public scandal, but something something far different. And God intervenes in Joseph and Mary's life And sometimes God's plans are are not fully revealed. Sometimes the plan can be the hope that we can see in in a situation may seem far away. Was was Jesus' coming the fulfillment of God's plan? Because here in this situation, this, this baby comes. The scandal is averted, yes, but this baby comes. And this baby is is prophesied over by angels that he will save people from their sins. But how does a baby do that? What does that mean? You see, the story of Jesus' life is one of scandal throughout. You don't get the whole picture of what God's intervention and God's rescue in the birth of Christ means until you begin to read the rest of the gospel, until you read the whole story. Jesus' life was a battle against scandal time and time again. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus is accused scandalously of eating and drinking with sinners. And the Pharisees try to scandalize him. In Matthew 9, he is casting out demons. And the Pharisees, again, try to scandalize him by saying he has a demon. And that's why he can do that. In Mark 3, his family says basically he has gone crazy. And they try to put him away. In the Gospel of John, he's accused of blasphemy because he says, before Abraham was... I am. He made himself to be God. And all of these things created this this overlay of a scandal that this man was. So his birth begins as a possible scandal. His life, which was one of perfection and humility and kindness and mercy and power. This life time and time again was accused and many people were scandalized by who Jesus was. But then even the manner in which he died was scandalous. Not just was his birth a possible scandal, not was just his life considered at by others scandalous, But his death, his death was considered scandalous. 
You see, the punishment of Roman crucifixion, which was how Jesus died, was chiefly inflicted at that time on slaves and criminals, the worst criminals. Crucifixion was considered as the most shameful and disgraceful way to die. His death was scandalous. But is that, is that the story? Is, really that, is that where the Christmas story kind of ends at the death of Christ? Is that story, is the Christmas story really so bleak? Gosh, it, it looks like he starts in scandal. It, his life seems to be a scandal. His death is certainly scandalous. Was this baby in a manger as scandalous a person as it seems to be as we read throughout Scripture, as we read in the Gospels? Well, obviously the answer is no. It is not. This is a familiar story to some, but it helps illustrate this point. Several long hours before her flight, a woman waited at the airport one night. She found a book in the airport shop and a bag of cookies and looked forward to relaxing and snacking as she waited for her plane. No sooner had she sat down and gotten herself comfortable than the man seated two chairs over, reached into the bag of cookies positioned in the chair between them, and began eating. She couldn't believe it. She chose to ignore his aberrant behavior and simply reached into the bag and began nibbling her much-awaited treat. But then he did it again. This pattern continued as they took turns reaching into the bag until they inevitably had reached the bottom. She was incensed. He reached over and noticed that the cookie he was about to devour was the last one in the bag. So he turned to her and uttering the first words that had passed between them said, Would you like the last one? (laughs) Struggling to maintain her composure at the audacity of the question, she squeezed out a simple, certainly, and finished the bag. Never had she been so galled, and she sighed with relief when her plane was called. She gathered her things and walked to the gate without looking back at the thieving ingrate. She boarded the plane, still simmering over the man's behavior, and sinking into her seat, she looked for her book, which was almost complete. As she reached into her handbag, there at her fingertips lay her unopened bag of cookies, just waiting for her to devour them. Situations, there's always more going on than meets the eye, is there not? And that's the story of Christ's birth. That's the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's always more going on than meets the eye. We must be careful not to judge by just what we see, by appearance. And that's the truth of Christmas. Not just the scandal of Christmas, but the truth of Christmas. The facts behind the birth and the life and the death of Jesus Christ reveal not scandal, but a plan of amazing love and hope and joy. The truth behind Jesus' birth and life and death is why we celebrate Christmas with such joy and thankfulness. The, the story is not about scandal, but the story of the birth of Christ is about a sacred promise being fulfilled. The promise of God 
rescuing humanity, mankind from the ravages of sin, the ravages of living in a sin-scarred, broken world, and the destruction that a sinful life brings to every person. Oh, the truth about Christmas is so different than the scandal. The story is not about a scandal. The real scandal actually took place thousands of years ago after God created mankind. That was where the real scandal took place. God's creation, his children, rejected him. They rejected the way of life he offered. And their rejection turned to hatred. Their rejection turned to mockery of God. Their rejection turned to rebellion and unbelief. And all of these things came to a culmination with his son, Jesus Christ. And the ultimate scandal was not the birth of Christ or the life of Christ or even the death of Christ. It was humanity's treatment of Christ. It was what we did to the Savior. In fact, some in God's creation even deny his existence. That really is the greatest scandal, but it's also what brings about the greatest and amazing story of love. God's love is what motivates him to send his son to live on earth. God's love. John 3.16, a very familiar passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have life everlasting. God so loved the world. That is the story of Christmas. That is the story of the birth of Christ. We see this in, in Matthew in verse 21 as the angel is talking and says, She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And here's his reason for coming. For he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. And verse 22 and 23 reveal how this all comes about. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You see, Jesus wasn't tainted by the stain of human sin. He was conceived supernaturally. That's the miraculous power of Christmas. That a son is born fully human. Fully human. And yet without the taint of sin. Mary was a virgin, had been with no man. And she conceives. That is the story of God's amazing love and bringing about his perfect plan to save humanity. The stain of humanity's sin does not reach down into Jesus' life. That's the good news. Jesus is fully human. And so he can live this perfect life and at the end of that life, having no stain of sin, having never sinned, 
could be the appropriate and acceptable sacrifice that God's judgment rightly for those who sin, which is all of humanity, God's judgment can be meted out as necessary as lawbreakers who must pay the penalty for breaking the law. All of humanity has broken God's law. All of humanity deserves the punishment of breaking the law. We are all lawbreakers. And yet none of us, because of our sinful lives, the, the, the nature of our lives being sinful, could pay the price necessary. But Jesus could. Jesus could. Jesus was fully human without the horrible stain of sin that every human carries. And so he came and he was born and he lived and he died that we might have new life, that we might be rescued from our sin if we put our trust and faith in him. That's the story of Christmas. When we celebrate the birth of Christ, we celebrate this truth that God sent his son to do a work we could never accomplish. The story of Christmas is is one of great joy. Christ's coming is what fills us with such hope, hope for our future, hope for our eternity, hope for our reconciliation that we could be free from the ravages and destruction that sin brings. My friends, you don't have to spend but two minutes watching the news to know how desperate our world is. To see the ravages of sin of people rebelling, of people's hatred towards one another, of the mockery and the rebellion that we have towards God, of the unbelief that is in our lives and what that causes in our society today. There's only one answer. There's only one hope. There's only one truth that will change that at all. That's the birth of Christ and the life of Christ and the death of Christ. And for those of us who are Christians, who have put our faith and hope and trust in Christ's saving work, we hope for his return. Because you see, here is the second part of this plan in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God not only sent Jesus to be a fully human being to be a man to live a human life and to die a human death and when Jesus ascended to heaven he did not leave he is still with us scripture tells us that when we put our hope in Christ that Christ dwells in us by his spirit, the same spirit that caused Mary to powerfully and supernaturally have a baby. That same spirit gives us life in Christ. And Emmanuel. We get two names here. We get Jesus, 
who will save people from their sins. And we get Emmanuel, God with us. The promise is that God will never leave. God has not abandoned our world. He's not abandoned us. That's the wonderful hope of the story of Christmas. The incarnation of Christ has not ended. It's not stopped. Yet Jesus left his heavenly throne, entered our sinful world as a baby, suffered the same indignities that we've suffered in this world, yet without sinning. And he chose to die for us as a sinless sacrifice to pay our debt, to pay for our judgment, that we might again be called children of God. Jesus is with us. He's come. He's never left. That's why we sing joy to the world. It's why we sing the Christmas songs we do. I love Christmas. I love, I love the Hallmark Christmas movies. I see the same ones over and over again. And having this knee surgery recently and having been in bed for the last three and a half weeks, I have watched a lot of Hallmark movies. And the Christmas story keeps resounding again and again and again. And the commercials keep coming on again and again and again. And they are, they're emotional and they draw you in. And the desire to give gifts and the desire to receive gifts and the the time of Christmas and the colors and the celebration is just wonderful. But my friends, that's just not what it's about. Christmas is not a Hallmark movie. It's about the love of God. And as you leave here today and as you go home to celebrate with your family, as some of you leave to distant places, as you have folks over your home, take this with you. Christ has come. Christ has come because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him might not perish, but have life everlasting. If you're in a place today where you're not sure you're a Christian, before you leave today, come talk with me or talk with one of the folks here at Grace Church. We would be happy to help you understand what it means to put your faith in Christ. Oh my, we would not want a Christmas to go by that you would miss knowing what it means to be a child of God. I'm going to pray and the band's going to come back up and they're going to honor us with that song once again. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for making it possible for us to not only be rescued from our sin, but to be reconciled to you, to become children of God once again. Lord, I pray for those here who may not know you, who may not have put their faith in you, that you would draw them to yourself, that they may understand for the first time the real joy of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.